now going to dive into God's Word, and I'm excited. Uh, we are, uh, for these next few moments, going to uh, be uh, just looking at two verses uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. You can turn there. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, but we are fast approaching uh, to conclude our series in 1 Corinthians. And uh, next week is the conclusion where, well, Lord willing, most likely, let me say, uh, we will tackle the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, a journey that started in January 2014. And so a year and almost a half. And, uh, but this morning, we want to focus on these two verses. These two verses in particular have been a, verses that have been meaningful to the men here at the Gateway Church. If you've been involved in men's ministry at any of the events or uh, some of the extra classes that we've done, the theme for our men's ministry right now has been act like men. And it's based out of these two verses in 13 and 14 in chapter 16. And uh, as we dive into these verses, we, we've got to realize something this morning, that things are not always as they seem. Can you think of something in your life that maybe, you know, you look on the outside, but there are things when you get on the inside, it's not always as the outside looks. And the same is true with our walk with the Lord. It may appear that you're growing in the Lord. It may appear that you are solid in your faith, that you've got a stability, that there's a calm in, in regards to God's work in your life. But the truth is, is that there are many, many Christians in America and across the world that struggle being consistent in their walk with the Lord. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but my guess is that there are some here that struggle being consistent day in and day out, week in and week out, year after year. And there are some that lack stability, men, women, teens, young adults, children. And the scary thing is, is that you can't always tell. You can look like a, you can fake it. You, some people don't even know that they're not as strong as they should be. And that if we were to ask, do you want to be strong in the Lord? My guess is 100% of us would raise our hand or stand up and say, yes, I want to be strong in the Lord. But the fact is, is that there are many that are weak among us. And we want to ask the question, how do we reach Christian stability? How do we grow to a point where we say, okay, the Lord has brought us this far. How can I be strong in the Lord? And the answer is found in these two verses. Uh, John MacArthur talks about these two verses, and he calls them principles for powerful living. And what we're going to look at here in just a second, we're going to read these, is there are five imperatives. And when I say imperatives, they are commands in Scripture. They are not optional, and they are keys for men's ministry, for women's ministry, for young people, for teens, for uh, all across the board. And what I'd like to call them are five keys for spiritual stability. Turn with me if you're not there yet, but 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I want to read these, uh, these two verses for you. It says this in verse 13, and because it's so short, we won't have you stand and sit down but, uh, like we normally do, but it basically says this, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. And over the next few minutes, we're going to take some time, open up these verses, and I believe that they're the answer to uh, 
inconsistent Christianity. And I believe that God wants to speak to all of our hearts, no matter where you are on your journey. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this. We ask, Lord, that you just uh, do a mighty, mighty work this morning. And Lord, I pray that our hearts will be wide open, that your spirit would speak, your spirit would speak through me, your servant, Lord, I pray, and we give you the praise and glory for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. The first thing it says there, it says to be on guard. Say that with me, be on guard. We must be aware. In some versions, that in maybe in the versions that you have, it says to be watchful. 22 times the word there used in the Greek is used in the New Testament. It could be a, to be alert, to wake up, to stay away from trouble, to be on guard is the way the NIV uh, describes it. Now, why would Paul write this to the, Christ, to the Corinthians? The reason is because the Christian life must be a life of alertness. We must be spiritually aware on our journey. We can't just bury our heads and just uh, pretend like things aren't happening around us. We need to be aware in our own lives. And with each of these keys uh, that we're going to look at, including this one, the Corinthians were not on guard. They were not aware. In fact, the Corinthians were in a dangerous place. They were in a place where they were struggling. Uh, you don't have to write or turn there, but you may want to write these down and look them up later. But there are several times in Scripture uh, where Paul is calling to the Corinthians saying, look, don't you know? Let's look at a few. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? 1 Corinthians 6 or 5.6. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch? 1 Corinthians 6.2. Don't you know that the saints will judge the world? 6.9. Don't you know that the wickedness that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? Do you see a pattern here? In 6.15, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? In 6.16, don't you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her? 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you know? On and on throughout Corinthians, Paul is bringing awareness to them. And the fact was is that the Corinthians were not alert. They were not aware of what was happening. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34, in fact, I want you to just turn a page back if you're there in 1 Corinthians 16, just turn a page back. Look what it says. It says, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. So what Paul is saying throughout Corinthians, he's saying, look, come back to your senses. Be on guard. Be aware. Be stable. You will never know stability if you don't come back to your senses. So you got to be on guard. And you say, well, what are we to be on guard? What are we to, supposed to be watchful for in our lives? And there are a few things that kind of emerged as I was studying. The first one is this, that you've got to be aware that there is a Satan, there's a devil that roams throughout the, the world. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, real, uh, real well-known verse there in 1 Peter. Uh, um, it says this, it says, The devil, your enemy, 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And some people read over that and don't give it a lot of weight, but the truth is the devil hates our guts. He does not want us to to succeed. And so the devil is aware. And who can the devil attack? Those who are not aware. When your senses are not up, when you're not being watchful, the enemy can sneak in and get a foothold. Ephesians chapter 6 says to take a stand against Satan. And the way we do that is to be watchful, to be on guard. In church, you and I need to be on guard all the time. We cannot take a vacation in that way because Satan does. He prowls around looking for someone to destroy. The second thing we got to be aware of is that there is temptation. And the reality is that temptation varies with individuals. What tempts you may not tempt me, and what tempts your spouse may not uh, uh, tempt you. But the reality is, is that in various ways, we all are tempted in this life. Of course, by the enemy. We are all different. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14. Very interesting verse here. Mark 14, it says this in verse 38. It says, watch and pray. Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. That same word, watch there, be on guard and pray. Why? So you won't fall into temptation. You say, well, I, my, I, I have good intentions, but my spirit is, will, or is, is weak. Well, the reality is that's the case with all of us. We've got to be watchful for the temptations that are in our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 uh, says that it is God's will for you to be sanctified. That means that you're to be clean and to be pure. And because of that, there are certain areas, certain activity, activities, there are certain people, there are certain places that we, as Christ followers, must avoid. We've got to be careful because temptation can thrive in areas. Plus, if you are not praying and in the world or in the word, you're going to struggle with the best of them because temptation can get a foothold in any of our lives. So, we need to be on guard. The third thing that we got to be aware of and uh, keep our senses to be watchful is to be so that we're not apathetic. Apathy. The idea that oh, I just don't care or the idea that oh, I've arrived, look at me or that I am good enough, apathy is scary. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. This is an interesting uh, story about the church in Sardis. And uh, it says in verse 1 through 3, it says, To the angel of the church of Sardis I write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And then he goes on, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive of being awake. You have a reputation from the outside. It looks like you're being watchful, that you, are, uh, that you are aware, but you are dead. And then look what it says. It says, wake up. That's the exact same word. Be watchful. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you, have, uh, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, same word, I will come like a thief and you will not know 
of at what time I will come to you. If we're apathetic in our Christianity, if we're just putting, going through the motions, if we're like the church of Sardis, we are in trouble. They thought that they were alive. And Jesus said, look, I know the truth. You can't fool me. And the question I have for you this morning is how strong are you in your faith? Or are you coasting along? See, apathy is not an uphill towards the Lord. Apathy at any level is more of a downhill slide. You cannot be gaining ground and be apathetic. And Jesus says, look, wake up, be strong. Don't be complacent. Don't be indifferent. Romans chapter 12 says never to lack in zeal. And that is a good word for me and for you. And if you're not hot, red hot for the Lord, if you're not serving God, if you're not growing in the Lord, something is wrong and it needs to be addressed. What else do we need to be watchful for? Two more things. False teachers. Uh, Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 Uh, interesting here it says watch out same term there to be mindful of to be aware watch out for false prophets watch out for false prophets those that will come with false theology they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves what i like about this is i got my notes is that, that it's it's subtle False prophets are not going around saying, hey, come follow me to hell, right? No, they are sneaky. They come in sheep's clothing, but really behind it, they're ferocious wolves. We must be strong in the word, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But there's a fifth thing we've got to be watchful for, and we even talked about it this morning, the Lord's return, right? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, it says, watch for the Lord's return. He is coming back for us and the corinthians they were not alert and because of that they were victimized by satan they were uh, they uh, had trouble with temptations they were apathetic and indifferent they were listening to false teachers they were pray they were prayerless and uh and they were not ready for the lord's return either we studied that in chapter 15 some of them did not uh, they were denying even the literal resurrection of Jesus, even though they were eyewitnesses of that. And, and God is saying, look, wake up, be on your guard. And how do you do that? You've got to know the word. And that leads us to the second thing. In verse 13, it continues, it says, be watchful, right? But also stand firm in the faith. I want you to say, in the faith. In the faith. That's different than saying stand firm in faith. It's a big difference. We're not to stand firm in faith. I mean, we we need to have good faith and just trusting and believing. But this is in the faith. The idea here is that we are to stand firm in the gospel, in the gospel message, in the word of God. And you must know that it's true. It's true. And the Corinthians, they struggled with this in culture. They're, they were listening to the wisdom of the age. They're whis- listening to uh, false doctrine and paganism and idolatry. We've studied it we've, for all these, to- all these weeks and months. In the Corinthians, they were mixing up human philosophy with godly wisdom. And they were trying to mingle the two. Why were they doing that? It's because they weren't rooted in the word of God like they needed to be. 
Now, can I be as bold to say that I believe that this is a huge issue for the church, the American church in particular? That it's a huge issue. Some people call the the age that we're living in as a post-Christian society where essentially there's no no concern with morality, uh, that anything will go, right? That the Word of God is not the standard. And the truth is, if for us, we have got to be careful. We need to stand firm in the faith, in the gospel, that the Word of God is our standard for life. And let me tell you, it is under attack all over the place. Anytime you turn at school, it's under attack. Is God's Word going to stand? In your workplace, in your neighborhoods, in your families, my guess is that the Word of God is questioned. Is it the authority for you? In church, at the Gateway Church, we are committed to stand firm in the faith. And I want you, as you connect with us, to stand firm in the faith. We must take the Word of God seriously. We must face it. We must believe it. And it's, it's our doctrine. And it will be challenged. It'll be challenged in your life. Just this, uh, in the last couple weeks, it has been challenged. I've been asked specifically about what we believe in Scripture in regards to some hot topics. And every generation will have these hot topics, won't they? And for us, it could be abortion or sexuality, the homosexual agenda, premarital sex, drugs, alcohol. And what the world says is that there are no absolutes in regard to some of these things. But in what the world says is not the truth. God's Word is clear. There are values. They're consistent. And as we study those, and as we embrace those, it brings stability into our lives. Can I say one more thing? And I know our time is running, and I'll be very careful in the next couple. But listen, 2015 is an election year, right? We are called as Christians to stand firm. We need to take a stand. This week alone, I had to take a stand in regards to the Word of God. Some people want to water down the truth. But listen, we are not going to water down God's Word. We are going to take a stand. We're going to stand strong. And the reality, there will be times in your faith, just like mine, where your faith will be challenged. And the question is, will you stand firm? This is huge. This is a big deal. In fact, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking I could take a week on each of these five things. And then I thought, well, I got a goal to finish 1 Corinthians before Mother's Day, and so, <laughs> so we can't do that. But uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, So then stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you. Church, you've got to ha- uh, stand firm. You've got to hold on tight to what God's Word says it will bring stability into your life. Amen? Amen. Continue on. So stand firm in the faith, and then it continues, and it says, be men of courage in the NIV. In some of your versions, it may say, act like men. That's where we get the the theme for our men's ministry. I like to say it this way for us, because we're a mixed group, act like an adult, right? Be mature. It's getting at this idea of maturity, that we must grow up. We need to be adults. 1 Corinthians 14.20, Paul says to the Corinthians, stop thinking like children. And he's talking to the leaders of the church. He says, be infants in regards to evil, right? 
But otherwise, be a man. Buck up. Be strong. Be mature. 1 Corinthians 3, 1, he says, look, I cannot even address you as spiritual I, you, because you are infants. You say, man, that seems kind of harsh, right? We studied this. We looked at this. Well, the proof was is that there was divisions, there was selfishness, carnality. There was fighting uh, with the communion. We had, we had communion today. Bobby talked about it. They were not getting along. They weren't waiting for one another. You say, man, they were really struggling. And the reality is that, that a lot of us will struggle in our faith. We will struggle with our maturity. And some of us have not grown up. We have maybe have been serving God for a long time, but we have not grown to a place of maturity. You say, well, how do I grow up? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 kind of gives us some insight in regards to this. It says, look, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk crave something spiritual something of substance crave why so that by it you may grow up in your salvation when you give your heart to the lord the journey just begins you've got to grow and you've got to be in god's word to do that and have the word of god in you it will give you wisdom to stand it will give you it'll help you in areas of righteousness will which will cause you to grow it's a key to spiritual stability be men of courage act like an adult and number four goes on verse 13 be strong be strong be strengthened in fact i want you to turn with me to ephesians chapter 6 we'll look at that in just a second the corinthians thought that they were strong but paul when he called them on it, he says, look, you're just puffed up. You're puffed up. You're proud. You really think you're something, but you're not. He's talking to the Corinthian leaders. Paul is very, very clear about that. And the question I have, and I was thinking about this, is every Christian strong? If you call yourself a Christ follower, does that automatically mean that you're a strong follower? No. There are strong believers, there's medium, there's people that are just hanging on by a thread, I believe. And you say, well, how do I be strong? Well, we get some insight in Ephesians chapter 6. This is familiar, but look what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand, you can stand firm against the devil's schemes. See how it works together? Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, you stand. You stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, with, uh, with your feet fitted for readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up your shield of faith, which, will, uh, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the offensive, which is what? The Word of God. And in verse 18, it says something. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, look what it says again. Same word. Be alert. Be watchful. And always keep on praying for the saints. That's how you take a stand. That's how you are strong in the Lord. 
Be strong in the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, I love this. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. We talked about this in our 80 series on the night where we're talking about waiting for Pentecost and, and those things. But listen, if you never spend time with God, if you are just, you know, a Sunday morning only, for example, listen, if you never spend time with God on your own, you will never be strong. And the reality is, is there are some of us that show up Sunday after Sunday. We may look like we're strong. We may, we, people may think we've got it together. But the reality is, is that we're weak. We're frail. And Paul was not willing to let the Corinthians live in that existence. And I, as your pastor, I want you to know, I take it seriously, my own faith. And I want to be strong in the Lord. And I want you to be strong in the Lord as well. It's God honoring. The last thing, verse 14, do everything in love. And what's interesting about this verse, and we're going to talk more about this next week and we'll kind of finish off um, because love is such a big deal. But this is where the balance comes. Because and some people say, oh, I'm going to be you know, on guard. I'm going to be mature. And what happens is there's like two extremes. And they're like, yep, I'm going to be, you know, I'm taking these commands, these imperatives. And I'm going to live this way. But they forget the love piece. And what happens when you add love, it balances things out. And again, we're going to talk about that next week a little bit. But for Paul, um, he's, he's saying, look, it would be miserable to take, take a stand, to be standing firm in the faith and not have love. But what I want you to, uh, to warn us, and this is important for me to re- realize too, is that if you have too much love, it's loosey-goosey, right? It's mushy. There's too much gray, right? But then on the other side, you can be too rigid, like a militant soldier, and what happens then? No one can stand you, right? <laughs> and so there's got to be a balance a balance of God's word, a balance of love, and bringing love into the equation on every topic, on every hard discussion. Because love is described as the fulfillment of the law. And remember, when we went through 1 Corinthians 13, love is described as a self-sacrificing love. It's not emotional. It's not just a feeling. Love is an act of service to someone else. And we've got to remember that the Corinthians, they weren't loving. And there are some here among us that struggle in this area. And I believe that this will be an encouragement. But for the Corinthians, look at it. Chapter 6, they were suing one another. Chapter 7, they were depriving each other. Uh, Chapter 8, there were stronger brothers running over the weaker brothers. Chapter 11, they were hogging all the food at the Lord's table. We talked about that already. They were unloving in their approach to spiritual gifts as well in chapters 12, 13, and 14. And they were unloving in so many ways. As we studied those and looked at those, we got to remember Okay, we've got to love. We've got to love in each of these circumstances. See, Paul was essentially saying in these two verses, look, if you want to straighten out the church, he's talking to the Corinthians, he says two things. You've you got to have so- sound doctrine, right? And you, got, you have to love. These keys, these imperatives will lead to stability. They will lead to to maturity in their lives, in our lives, and God help us. 
as we wrap things up this week and then next week, just one more look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, I was interested, uh, a friend of mine um, who's a doctor in theology that I talk to uh, over my messages quite often, he said, you know, and I told him that we're finishing, he's been tracking with us all along, but um, he says, hey, don't forget that the letter to the Corinthians actually made a huge difference in the Corinthian believers. And I was kind of curious about that. I'm saying, okay, how do you know that? And we look at some extra biblical accounts. There's other epistles that were written. And one of those is the first epistle of Clement to the Corinthians. And uh, it's interesting, as you read that, I printed it off, and in the first two chapters, it goes on and on praising the Corinthian believers for the progress that they had made. I want to read a couple things. It says that he describes them as most uh, virtuous, most steadfast in their faith. That's different than the way Paul described them in 1 Corinthians. How many agree, right? Uh, he says that they were admired for being sober and forbearing uh, piety in, in, in Christ. Very interesting. He was described them as having excellent zeal, uh, that they, were, they had confidence. And then in uh, chapter 2, verse 5 of 1 Clement, this is very interesting. This is the last one I'll read, but it says that they were sincere and simple and free from malice one towards another. That is completely opposite from the division that Paul was addressing. And so what, it, what we can look at, we can say, look, the Corinthians, they heard Paul's teaching. They read the letter they reread it, and they put it into practice. They didn't just hear the word. They put it into practice, and things changed in their lives. And what's interesting is we've studied this, these two particular verses is that this is the antidote to everything that they struggled with. Be on your guard, and they weren't on their guard. Stand firm in the faith. They weren't firm in their faith. Act like an adult. Grow up. They were weak. They were like infants. Be strong. They were actually very weak and do everything in love. They missed the love piece. They missed that balance. And things for them were struggling in 1 Corinthians when, as, they, as they received that letter. But the good news, and I think it's incredible, that as they put God's word into place, it made a difference. And it will make a difference in your life and in my life if we stand firm, if we are on our guard, if we are growing up and are strong, and if we do everything in love. Amen? Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I thank you that this morning uh, you've, a lot of things have happened with communion and missions and your word now. God, I pray that your word would ring loud and true this morning. That it would not just go in one ear and out the, the other, but it would make a real difference. Lord, I pray that for each person here, including myself, that we would put into practice these imperatives, these commands, these keys to spiritual stability. And Lord, I pray that you would do that for your glory, for your honor. Help us, Heavenly Father, help us 
Holy Spirit on our journey. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. Now with your head bowed and continue to be eyes closed. Before we dismiss, I want to just give the opportunity that if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, um, I want to give you that chance where you can reestablish that relationship or come to Jesus for the first time. And uh, I don't know everyone here uh, by name or by, I don't know all of your stories. You could be exactly like uh, what we talked about, that it seems like things are okay, but in reality, you are weak, you are inconsistent, and you need to reestablish that, those connections with the Lord. I don't want to assume anything. And so this morning, if you're here and that's you and you're ready to commit fully to the Lord, I want you just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yeah, thank you. Who else this morning saying, that's where I am today. I'm struggling. Or I need Jesus maybe for the first time in my life. Anyone else? Yeah. All right. I want to pray. There's one individual that raised her hand, and uh, let's let's support her. Uh, just just uh, pray for for her, Lord. I just pray right now, uh, Lord, that you would just capture uh, this lady's heart, but Lord, all of our hearts. That you would draw us close to you. That we would not just be people that would go through the motions. Lord, that we would be dead on for you, committed, standing guard. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to be watchful, to be aware of, of things in our lives that, uh, that will bring us down, places and people and situations. Lord, that the word of God would be supreme in our lives, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard and it doesn't make sense. Lord, that we would grow up, that we'd be mature believers, that we'd be strong in the Lord. But Lord, help us not to forget to be loving in the, in the wings, to bring love to every discussion, to be, bring love to every uh, situation. And God, I pray that as we do this, we would experience you in an entirely new and a fresh way. Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen us. And now as we close, Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.